Hey everybody, it's Morgan of Murph & Morgan. We are taking a break during the month of December, and as we do, we are replaying some of our favorite Patreon episodes for you folks who are not members. We want you to become players and patrons in the biggest game of all, The Game of Crimes. You can find it at patreon.com slash game of crimes. So what Murph and I decided to do was give you a sample, the entire episodes of some of the things we've done. We do several things. So this one, Murph, is 911. Remember, 911, not 119. 911, <laughs> what's your emergency? And the fun part about this, right, is you never know what I'm going to play. And so you're reacting, you're hearing the call for the very first time. 199, what's your emergency? If you wonder what that's all about, you should listen in more often. <laughs> One of these days I'll learn. <laughs> yeah. So what, what we're doing during the month of December is we're picking out something from each of the different types of content we do. And this one is 911, what's your emergency? We play a call. You listen to the call. You put your listening ears on. And you become an, uh, you know, an auditory investigator. And you hear, can you hear deception? Can you hear truthfulness? What do you think? So what we're going to do for these is just simply let you guys hear it. But remember, if you like what you hear and you want to hear more, go to patreon.com slash game of crimes. That's patreon.com slash game of crimes and join us there. And our regular episodes of Game of Crimes will be starting up again on January 2nd, 2023. So come back and hear the newest guests we have on. We got some butt kickers coming. We do. And folks, so let's get ready. Let's get ready to play the biggest, baddest, most dangerous game of all, the 911 version of Game of Crimes. Welcome, amigos, amigas, players, playerettes, and uh, all power to the people of Ukraine. Go kick Vladimir's ass. Absolutely. <laughs> Please. We're with you in spirit. We're with you, man. I, if I was over there, I, dude, I'd be saddling up, especially with Miss Ukraine. I, I'd be her <laughs> personal bodyguard. I'd be your body man. I think she might be your bodyguard. I've seen her. She's uh, pretty tough. She probably kicked my ass just like every woman we've had on this podcast could kick our ass, Steve, but uh, yes, they uh, on the other podcast. But this is the Patreon side. This is, hey, to you players and playwrights. This is um, our second installment of our 911, What's Your Emergency? And I've got another 911 call. Murph has not heard, has no clue what it's about. Steve, confirm that you have no clue. All I heard was 911, what's your emergency? And then you cut it off. No, Steve, I meant you have no clue, period. Uh, well, you see who I'm working with. So that tells you a lot right there, right? Tells a lot about your judgment. Yeah. <laughs> so, hey, now the, the deal is, though, some of these calls could be, they could be truthful, they could be deceptive. And a couple of these, I have one call, Steve, I'm not going to tell you obviously which one it is, but it's going to throw you for a loop because you're going to think it's one thing. It's going to absolutely be another. And okay. there will be there will be clues, but in this one too. So remember, last month we did um, Michael Rose, Rosen, Roseboro, I think, yeah, Roseboro. And uh, he was convicted of killing his wife because he walks out and he says, hey, I just found my wife in the pool. And of course, mm -hmm. we had all sorts of problems with that, right? Oh, yeah. So... This this is one. Uh, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna tell you anything about it. We're just gonna play. We'll start off again by playing the 911 call. Then we'll work our way through it. Okay. 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 And this time I listened to the transcript and I listened to the call and I made sure there were no pool incidents. You know, I was a lifeguard. <laughs> made sure that the transcript didn't miss something vital this time in the clues. So <laughs> okay. Here we go. Standing by. Here we go. Now Hang somebody's dying. Hang on, here comes the 9-1, and it's about three minutes long, so you got to hear the whole thing. So here we go. Okay. 9-1-1, where is your emergency? Oh, God. Oh, no, listen to me. Where are you at? 5.30 Park Place. 5.30 Park Place? Yeah. Okay, what, what's going on? What's going on? Hold on. Hold on. Just a second, Anna. Anna. I, I can't seem to help my you. Son, my, son, hmm? my son has killed my wife. He killed your wife? How did he kill your wife? I don't know. I just found her. He had a crazy story, and now he has stolen the car, and I went looking for her. Okay. She's in the garage, and she's been hit in the head. She's dead. Okay. She, so she's not breathing at all? No, she's dead. Okay. <laughs> oh, God. How, what made you think your He's son... He's driving a white Infinity. When, when did your son leave? Just now. Okay, he just, he just left? 
Yes. Okay, what color type of vehicle do you leave in? Is it a white Infinity? He's driving a, a 2011 white Infinity G37. G37? Yes. Okay. What direction did he leave going? I have no idea. You don't know what direction he left going? Do you know where he might be going? No. No. Now, how, he said he hit your wife. Do you know what he hit her with? I don't know. Okay. I, went, I don't know. She's laying in the garage. Okay. She has a something over her head, and I lifted it up. Her head is smashed so bad. Okay. Like a tarp, like a tarp over her head? No, a blanket. Okay. okay. Do you have, like, a license plate number by chance? I don't know Okay. Right now. That's fine. That's fine. Okay. Call your mom. Tell her to come get you. Okay. How old is your son? He's 17. 17? What's your son's name? Josh Bryant. Josh Bryant? Yes. Okay. Listen, I have I have lots of help headed that way to you, okay? Um, is that another? Is that, I said I have lots of help headed that way to you, okay? Um, I'm sorry, say that again. I have lots of I have lots of help headed that way to you, okay? Is that another kid okay. here in the background? Yes. Okay. Yes. Now, do you do you think he might be on his way back to you guys? No, he's left. He's, he's left. run because of what he had did. Okay. Do you have any idea what kind of caused this to happen? It's okay if you no. don't. No. Okay. I went to get my daughter from the gym. I'm gone 30 minutes, and I come back. We were supposed to go to a pitching lesson. Okay. And when you just got back home? Yeah, I got home, and he gave me excuses about where she went. And I needed to work on the dinner. And I started getting suspicious, mm -hmm. and then I checked her phone, and he, the cops are here. Okay. All right. All right. So that's the call. About three minutes and 14 seconds, and uh, they hang up after that. And uh, so, you know, we have a report of a homicide. So what's your first impression? If it were not for the children crying in the background, I would say he killed his wife. But hearing the reaction of the children back there, the crying, and I'm guessing that's the daughter he went to pick up. I wish the cops had been just another minute or so getting there because <laughs> he was getting ready to tell the details. I mean, he got suspicious, and then that was it. Um, I'm, I'm undecided right now. We need a lot more information. Yeah, so, because um, one of the things uh, he says, they say, where's your emergency, uh, 530 Park Place, okay, what's going on? So let me throw this out for you to consider, because remember when we talked in the first case, he said, I just found my wife. Um, here's some similar language. I don't know, I just found her. He's got a crazy story, and now he's stolen the car. He goes, I just found her. Tick-tock, tick-tock. Uh... I know. Well, he says, you know, later in the conversation, he says he started dinner. He had to work on the dinner. Yeah. And he had been gone for about 30 minutes. Uh, I, I, you know, would, I, I guess it wouldn't be unusual. Well, it would be in my house. First thing I do is say, hey, honey, I'm home. You know, it seems like you would go look for your wife. Uh, so I'm kind of thinking that maybe uh, it's going to be interesting to see how long she was dead before he made the phone call. Yeah. Um, but, but so when you're responding, so the other thing too, is you heard in the background, all you have is the dispatcher, you know, and all you have is the guy's story that calls in, by the way, his name, um, uh, is Brad Bryant. And this happened, I believe, um, in, uh, April of 2017. So this is this relatively, you know, new case about five years ago, but uh, a lot of this comes out. This happened in Edmond, Oklahoma. So you've got you've got the call that comes in, and so just walk through it for a second. Let me ask you this: uh, How would you react if you came home? And here's what he says too. He says uh, he doesn't say anything. He just says, "What's going on?" He says, "My son has killed my wife. Um, how did he kill your wife? I don't know. I just found her. He's got a crazy story." And the other thing they said, "Okay, she's not breathing at all. No, she's dead." And that was one of the things from the initial, uh, from the first uh, episode we did where he just accepts the finality of death. You know, it's like, no, right. she's dead. So you come home, 
And you, you know, like you say, what would you do if you had found somebody in this similar situation? Oh, you used to, well, you, I'm going to have my cell phone and I'm going to, I'm going to do whatever I can to render first aid. Like, like we talked last time, you know, you got to make sure their, their airway is clear so they can breathe. Um, and then you're going to start CPR, but at the same time, I'm going to be calling 911, which is relatively easy on cell phones, you know, and, um, you know, one other thing, the, his, his reaction during the initial phone call was upset and crying, but as the phone call on, went along, he calmed right down, didn't he? Like, was, uh, if that was my wife, holy cow, I'm not sure I'd be coherent trying to tell you where I was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so this is, this is one of those quandaries, too, because you'll look at it, and there are indicators that say, okay... There's some things in here that sound deceptive because the first one, you called the first one very easily. You know, this mm-hmm. guy, you know, he was guilty. You could tell that just by the way he called. This one, there's some additional emotion. Some of the same words like, I just found this. And like you said, the tends to get calmer as the call went on, you know, providing mm-hmm. more details. And then the other thing too is he's laying it on his son's feet. You know, it's kind of like, no, my son did it. So that you think about that, you go, if you had come home and killed your wife, would you blame it on the son? No, I, that's really strange. I mean, unless he saw the kid do it, which, you know. And see, the thing you don't have also with the call is you have no history of what's went on between these folks, the dispatcher. Now, the other thing, too, people will notice, too, is that the dispatcher's typing your thing. Well, how can there be people calling? She didn't dispatch the call. In a lot of places like this, what happens is you'll have somebody listening on the phone call and typing and getting information, right. somebody else is dispatching the call. I mean, they're, they're listening, they're, they're keyed in on the same line. They're hearing what's going on and they're dispatching units, you know, units go, go here to five thirty park place, you know, report of a, a woman down, you know, it's whatever it may be. They're going to roll uh, ambulance and police. Cause she said she's got a lot of help coming. So yeah. What other observations did you make during the call? Um, he was telling somebody to leave to call their parents. So I'm guessing that was either the the son's girlfriend or a friend of the daughter that he went and picked up. Um, and he was, uh, I would really be, I, I'll be honest, if it's me, I will be telling those kids in the bathroom to shut the hell up or go into another room. I've got to get this taken care of. Uh, my kids would be, my daughters would be incoherent as well. They'd be so upset that something happened to their mother. I mean, there would be some massive wailing and screaming shit going on. Yeah, because the other thing to think about, too, is, I mean, this is this is something you think about afterwards. But when one of the first times I heard this, it says, call your mom and tell her to come get you. Actually, one of my first thoughts was the guy's divorced and remarried. This is his new wife. Um, whether it's a son or a stepson, maybe that, but he's like, call your mom and tell her to come get you. Ah, yeah, I see what you mean. But but he says, but call your mom instead of saying, call mom and tell her to come get you. It's like when he says your mom, it's like, there's a girl here, but he says, um, um, uh, he says, I can't talk yet. My son has killed my car. He says, but he does say, I went to get my daughter from the gym. I'm gone 30 minutes. So he's got his daughter. So the question is, is the girl on the phone that we hear on the background, is that his daughter? But then again, that sounds strange to say, call your mom instead of call mom. Maybe maybe after being divorced, it's like, I, I guess I said that too. <laughs> we got divorced, we married. Hey, yeah, what does your mom say? Yeah. And I'll do the exact same thing. I don't refer to her as mom. I have other names I call her by, but if I'm talking to the boys, it's your mom. <laughs> your mom. Your mom, Steve. We're kinder, gentler people, too. Yes, so so the, so the initial response is, it's kind of, um, yeah, you wonder, it, either that, so come up with two things. Either the wounds must be so bad it was obvious she was dead and there was no mm-hmm. chance of resuscitating her, or he's telling us that that's... Uh, the case. Now, I want you to do is listen at the very start before the operator picks up. This is something, a feature, you have very little of it, and I'll have calls later to where you can actually hear people talking before the operator picks up. But because they use what they call a trunked line system in a lot of these places, especially in the old systems, copper wire, um, if, if you didn't have a trunked line system, like a way of handling multiple calls, and they would come in and kind of be holding there as the call went through, you'd get a busy signal if you tried to dial 911. So listen right here. I'm going to just play just the first couple seconds. But listen before the operator says anything and listen to the breathing in the background. Here we go. Okay. 911, where is your 
Yeah. So there was some breathing. He says, oh, God, right after she answered. But but you heard the, the phone being answered and he's saying, oh, God, you know, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. after that. So this is something this is something that actually made some cases before is that you could hear people talking in the background before the phone because before the 911 call was answered, because many people thought they don't hear you until right. the operator picks up, which is not correct. And now some of the new digital systems, I think, are a little different. But the the minute you hit that one, that call goes through at the speed of light, it starts recording. So the minute you hit that final one, 911, the call starts recording. So I might say, dial 911 and say, hey, Steve, get your shit together because we got to make the cops believe this. 911, what's your yeah. emergency? Yeah. Oh, my God, I've just been <laughs> shot, you know? Right. Right. That's, That's called uh, evidence. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I didn't know that we did that. Yeah, here, you even, you're even learning some stuff there. Okay. Let's walk through just a little bit more of this up until we talk about how we found her. Where, no, listen to me. Where are you at? 530 Park Place. 530 Park Place? Okay, what, what's going on? What's going on? Hold on. Hold on. Just a second, Anna. I, I can't seem to help you. My son has killed my wife. He killed your wife? Okay, how did he kill your wife? I don't know. I just found her. He had a crazy story, and now he has stolen the car, and I went looking for her. All right, so did you pick up anything different on that next piece of it? Well, he, uh, he said his son killed his wife, and they said how, and he says, I don't know, but she's dead. Uh... And and again and once again he went from semi hysterical to very calm very quickly. I mean it's just like from one sentence to the next. Mm-hmm. And you know when he talked to his daughter when he said something to Anna that was very calm. Yeah, basically he said, little, "Hold on, just a second, Anna, Anna." Yeah, yeah. There's a little a little acting going on here. I'm sure. Are you sure? I, yeah, because I just know how I'd react, you know? Yeah, uh, but is that how everyone else would react? I don't know. We're going to find out, ain't we? <laughs> <laughs> We're going to find out. So I think this next part, too, is interesting because um, he he goes, um, I don't know. I just found her. He's got a crazy story. And now he's stolen the car, and I went looking for her. So let's talk about, again, it's that when you find the body, you know, and do what you know, what do you do with it? It's like Rosen, you know. Uh, Roseboro, I mean, do you just leave the body there? Do you try to attempt CPR? Let's just listen to the next couple, uh, uh, few seconds here. Okay. She's in the garage and she's been hit in the head. She's dead. Okay. She, so she's not breathing at all? No, she's dead. Okay. <laughs> How, what made you think your She's driving a white infinity. When did your son leave? So something I thought was interesting is he didn't answer the question. And I'm not trying to set you up. I'm just throwing out stuff for you to think. But he says, what made you think your son did it? And he answers, he's driving a white infinity. That's, mm-hmm. not why his, that's not why his son did it. Now, you could say, too, is maybe he's distraught. Maybe, because, um, uh, I mean, she gets into it later. But the question is, um, what made you think your son did it? Because that's very important. What made you think your son did it? it? Did you see something? Like you said, if it's gone before he gets home, he couldn't have seen his son do it. Otherwise, he should have been calling saying, my son just killed my wife. Now, it's interesting, too. That's why I think this is a divorce situation. And as we're sitting here, I'm going to pull up some more info. Um, But it's like, uh, rather than saying, hey, he just killed his mom. He says, he just, he goes, he just killed my wife. That's what makes me think when I first heard this, that this was a divorced and kind of remarried family. What do you think? Yeah, that makes that makes perfect sense. Because that uh, you, I hate to say this, but you were right on that. I think. Um, and also, why did he say the son stole my car? You know, my son just took off in the car. This is probably what I would say if I thought my son had killed my wife or his mother. Mm-hmm. So it's like he's. Uh, inciting the situation to a certain degree by now saying, not only did he kill my wife, but he stole my car. Because you think, you know, uh, technically kids, I mean, I don't know if they could really steal it, Uh, you know, maybe joyriding, temporary deprivation, but it's kind of like you do kind of cross the line. So he stole the car. Did you tell him he couldn't drive the car? Right. 
And he's 17 years old. I'm, you know, you're presuming he has a driver's license and is allowed to drive the car. Mm-hmm. Well, let's hear a little bit more about the car. Just mail. Okay. He just, he just left? Yes. Okay. What color type of vehicle did he leave in? He said a white Infinity. He's driving a, a 2011 white Infinity G37. G37? Yes. Okay. What direction did he leave going? I have no idea. You don't know what direction he left going? Do you know where he might be going? No. No. Now, how do you- so it's kind of like, I mean, they're getting a lot of information at the car. Now, I don't know a lot about Infinities, but I think an Infinity G37 is kind of an expensive car. I mean, that sounds like a... Sounds like the sporty model, doesn't it? Yeah. Found, in fact, uh, you know, through the magic of Al Gore's amazing internet, let's see what it is. Infinity G37. Um, oh, yeah. It's a two-door or four-door? It is a two-door. It's a sport. It's a sporty little thing. Yeah. So a 2011 white Infinity, um, a used one right now uh, with fifty-three thousand miles on it is going for nineteen thousand dollars. Wow. Twenty. The 2013 Infinity G37 two-door. Yeah. It's 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 just definitely kind of a sporty two-door. I think this one here. Let me see here. Yeah. I think this is the sport one. Uh, because the other thing, too, is, you know, uh, when you're responding, now, this one shows like it's a four-door, so uh, oh, 2000 yeah, Infinity. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. G37. Yeah. No, G37 uh, is a two-door sport. That's right. He says it's a G37. So um, let's see. Where did that G37 go to? Let's see. Well, I'm looking at a, a 2009 G37. It was a four-door. You could get it as a sedan. Okay. Well, in any event, he's he's obviously got a good, you know, a good car. Um, he left in it. A lot of discussion about the car. They obviously don't have the tag number, which dispatchers can look up the tag number. But let's list, let's listen now about because she does ask a good question. Uh, I'll cover that in a second. But let's just kind of go through um, the next piece of this where they talk about what got into it. Um, you know, what happened to the wife. So let's hear this part. Did he hit your wife? Do you know what he hit her with? I don't know. Okay. I, went, I don't know. She's laying in the garage. Okay. She has a, something over her head, and I lifted it up. Her head is smashed so bad. Let me just stop there. Um because I got to tell you, the first time I heard it, when I when I heard that her head is smashed so bad, it's like that's almost stated like matter of factly. You're exactly right, because that would have been that would have been a triggering event to create more sobs. Saying something like that for normal people, if it was a real event, I would think. Mm-hmm. So let's listen just a little bit more. Okay. Like a tarp, like a tarp over her head. No, a blanket. Okay. okay. Do, do you have like a license plate number by chance? I don't know. Okay. Right now. That's fine. That's fine. Okay. Call your mom. Tell her to come get you. Okay. So, I mean, you get the kid's obviously distressed in the background because, you know, he's saying, hey, call your mom and tell her to come get you. And you hear in the background saying, mama, come get me, please. That kid's traumatized. I mean, we don't know exactly what's happened yet. And look, the dispatchers have to react as though the person calling is telling the truth. But even then, even sometimes uh, we'll cover later on, we'll cover because everybody knows the outcome, but we'll cover a very famous call. It was the John Bonet Ramsey 911 call by Patsy Ramsey. Mm-hmm. Even to this day, the dispatcher, when listening to that, is like, she's go, there's something wrong there. So sometimes you do get that feeling. Sometimes when you hear that call, uh, there's something wrong. But here I think the dispatcher's doing a pretty good job staying level. And so you hear a lot of typing in the background where they have to create this record. It, it goes into what they call the computer-aided dispatch. So that's that's what they use to log the details of the 911 call, the conversations, like the description. She's not writing a narrative, but she's more like just putting in notes, white G37, you know, son of 17, doing this. I mean, you kind of got just like the bullet points of what's going on so they can look at later. Um, right. And he says, Mama, come get me. So let's let's talk about the son now. How old is your son? He's 17. 17? What's your son's name? Josh Bryant. Josh Bryant? Yes. Okay. So just listen to these next three things. I don't know if he's distracted or if he's not listening, but the dispatcher three times says, hey, I've got lots of help coming. Let's listen to that piece. Lots of help headed that way to you, okay? Um, is that another? Is that, I said I have lots of help headed that way to you, okay? 
I'm sorry. Say that again. I have lots of I have lots of help headed that way to you. Okay. Is that another kid okay. here in the background? Yes. Okay. Now, what's interesting? Um, if somebody said, "Is that another kid in the background?" It's almost like if it was my kid or if it was my daughter, I'd say, that's my daughter, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, she, maybe she figured it out, but it's just, the phrasing was a little different. It's kind of like, you know, hey, is, is that another kid I hear in the background? Yes. But here's, go ahead. I was going to say, back up to that previous section we listened to where he said, I mean, you don't have to back up, but I'm just I'm backing up in my thoughts here. He originally said his wife was covered with something, and then he got specific when she asked and said a blanket. I mean, why would, why wouldn't you say she, her head's covered with a blanket? I lifted the blanket, or you know, something like that. And then I know what you're talking told, about. It's right about here. When, Let me play that for you. Okay. Okay. What direction did he leave going? I have no idea. You don't know what direction he left going. Do you know where he might be going? No. No. Now, how, he said he hit your wife. Do you know what he hit her with? I don't know. Okay. I, went, I don't know. She's laying in the garage. Okay. She has a, something over her head, and I lifted it up. Her head is smashed so bad. That's what you're getting right there. First, he says she had something over her head. I lifted yeah. it up, and then she asked, like a tarp? No, a blanket. Yeah. I mean, why wouldn't you say that? I mean, he's being so specific about other details, especially the car uh, his son. Uh, also, the uh, if you notice when he told uh, when he made the statement, "Call your mother." That kid was already on the phone because immediately she says, "Come and get me." Yep. If my daughter called and was telling me something like that on the phone, she wouldn't need to tell me to come and get her. I'm on the way. <laughs> now, I don't know what that's got to do with the, with the murder, but I mean the death. Yeah, it's a murder yet. Uh, yeah, we don't know. Well, all we know is we. But here's what we do. So now think of it. Uh, we'll, we'll we'll think of this in the end. I'll just work through a little bit more of the call here. So, um, but here's one part where I thought the dispatcher was really good about what she was doing. Let me see if I can get to it here. Or by chance? I don't know. Okay, right that's fine. That's fine. Okay. Call your mom. Tell her to come get you. Okay. How old is your son? He's 17. 17? What's your son's name? Actually, let me... I have lots of help headed that way to you, okay? Um, is that another... Is that, I said I have lots of help headed that way to you, okay? Um, I'm sorry, say that again. I have lots of I, I have lots of help headed that way to you, okay? Is that another kid okay. here in the background? Yes. Okay. Yes. Now, do you, do you think he might be on his way back to you guys? No, he's left. He's, he's left. run because of what he had did. Okay. Do you have any idea what kind of caused this to happen? It's okay if you no. don't. Okay. So something I thought was interesting that because, you know, words mean things, language mean things. So, um, but I thought the dispatcher did a good job by saying, do you think he might be on his way back to you guys? Because now she's concerned about his safety. You know, you know, right. is, is, is now we're trying to find out, is there something going on? Has this been a long simmering dispute? You know, has, has something happened? Um, but one of the things that I kind of, this is, this is one of the things you find out when you do interview and interrogation, people tend to minimize language. Like they don't say I stole something. They say I borrowed it. You know, they don't say I killed somebody. They say I accidentally hurt somebody. You know, they, they tend Mm -hmm. to minimize language. And I don't know if the father is doing this because of him or if he's doing it because of his son. I mean, I, I do know the outcome I'm saying, but when I was originally listening to this, I'd listened to it cold. Uh, working on another project because I wanted to get the feel for what it was. But he says, um, now she asks, okay, now do you think he might be on his way back to you guys? The father has replied, no, he's left because of what he had did. I would I would say something like he left because he killed my wife. Mm-hmm. What is What does that mean that he left because of what he had did? What did he do? Well, and, and that's, so the, just like you said, that's softening the incident right there. He's mm-hmm. left because of what he did. But when he talked about her head is smashed so bad, that that's that's just a, that's a horrific statement to say. You know, and, and I guess people react differently when they see things like that. Um, and why was there a blanket over? You know, did the kid do that? If he's the one, if he's the murderer, did he do it? Or did daddy do it because that way he didn't have to look at her? Well, and that's a common artifact to it seems. That's when, let's assume that you had found this body uh, out somewhere instead of at the home and you'd found it with a uh, 
blanket over them or over their head. That is really a when you look at profiling and you look at what what people do as they react to stuff that 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 tends to show you that there is a vested interest in that person that there is some relationship because they covered them up because either they care about them they don't want to see their face if you're a cold-blooded killer you don't really care you just dump the body out i mean mm-hmm. did gary ridgeway ever cover people up did ted bundy you know it was like no it's just the, the, to them you're an object to be desired to be obtained ed kemper so anytime you see somebody covering up it starts to say hey there's a proprietary interest here there's some kind of relationship between the two but I well, want you to listen. Go ahead. Our first 911 call that we did last time, you know, that guy killed his wife and he didn't have her covered up. He just no. didn't get rid of her. But she was still in the pool and the dispatcher said, you know, I thought you had her out of the pool. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, I do. I do. <laughs> you yeah. know. Yeah. Oops. I forgot which lie I was telling right there. He could. Yeah, he couldn't keep his story straight. Let's listen to this next part because I want to get through just the uh, uh, part about what he said he was doing here. Went to get my daughter from the gym. I'm gone 30 minutes, and I come back, and we were supposed to go to a pitching lesson. Okay. Now, I'll stop you right there. A lot of times there's extraneous information. What? Who cares that you had to go to a pitching lesson? Well, and now when you add that with he had to get dinner, well, which one are you going to do? You're starting to get uh, a lot on your plate there. Right? So let's, yeah, let's listen to the last part of this. When you just got back home? Yeah, I got home and he gave me excuses about where she went. And I needed to work on the dinner. And I started getting suspicious mm-hmm. and then I checked her phone and he, the cops are here. Okay, all right. So, so we learned a couple things. Yeah. Yeah. So we learned a couple things, which is, Okay, and you just got back home. He says, yeah, I got home. So now we know that the father had contact with the son when he came home, because that wasn't clear to me at the beginning, really. Um, because it says, a crazy story. Yeah, I said, I don't know, I just found her. He's got a crazy story, and now he's stolen the car. So, th- I mean, there's some indication, but it's like, if you're, if you're, when things are in motion, sometimes you might miss a little piece of that. And so then he goes, I got home and he gave me excuses about where she went and I needed to work on the dinner. As I started, and I started getting suspicious and then I checked her phone and he, the cops are here. So yeah, we lost, that's the end of the, that's the end of the call. So now we have, uh, that's all you got, Murph. You're the responding officer. What, what, what's going through your mind as you're showing up there? You don't, now you don't hear the call as the responding right. officer. Right. Um, that's the detective or somebody's going to pull that later. So you're responding there. So when you go there, you got to assume, I mean, you take the father's story at, at face value to begin with until you can find reasons not to believe him. But it's like, okay, the son did it. So, you know, what are a couple of things you might do responding there first? Well, first thing you're going to do is check on the victim to make sure there's there's no life. Um, if there's a possibility, you know, that there, you could save them, you might start CPR. But if you see that, if you know, if the if the wife's head really was smashed that bad, um, and you're no pulse, and you know, I mean, not to get so graphic, but you may see brain matter or whatever uh, that come out of the where she was struck, uh, which would be a really severe blow, you know, to get that to get just to crack the skull and to get the brain matter coming out. That's pretty tough. But if if there's no possibility of, of reviving the victim, you got to start securing the crime scene because that's what this is, is a crime scene. Even if it was accidental death, it's a crime scene until you prove there was no crime committed. Absolutely. You uh, treat every 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 death investigation as a homicide because that ensures you collect all the evidence you need because you don't get a second chance to go back. In fact, there is a case, it's a cold case I've been working on trying to get movement on it, but it, it deals with a... Um, and this is why the call is so important, because in this call, in this 911 call, and I may play it uh, for one of the podcasts here later, um, the, the suspect is the husband. He's a doctor. And he says, no, my wife's dead. I'm a doctor. And she committed suicide. And the, and the problem you have, it's called an anchoring statement. If I told you, hey, Steve, I need you to go to this house and, and look on this, it's a suicide. It anchors it in your mind that it's a suicide. And I always used to, I always used to tell people, forget, I don't care what you tell me. Ground zero, you go there, if it's a dead body or if it's an injured body, an injured person, you, this is a crime. This is a crime until, you know, you prove to me otherwise, because otherwise to me, it's a crime. So many cases have been, 
hurt from the beginning because somebody anchors that in their mind. Oh, it's a suicide. Don't worry about it. You know, she committed suicide. So you don't, and I guarantee you, there's cases, they don't collect the evidence. They miss collecting vital evidence like computers and other stuff, and especially of the husband. Oh, well, I'm a doctor, you know, um, she committed suicide. So, and then you can hear the dispatcher saying on this one call, oh, okay, I guess you know best. It's like, nah, need you to attempt, you know, resuscitation, you know. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's that's just... (laughs) You know, even as a police officer, if you shoot someone or you get in a tussle and they become injured, you still have responsibility to render first aid. I mean, mm-hmm. if that's your wife, I would do everything I could to try and save her. So let's take a vote. So um, you folks that are listening, we can't count your votes, but uh, all right. <laughs> I'm so voting the, for him being the murderer. You're voting for him being the murderer. Okay. And yeah. you other folks, what do you guys say? They agree uh, with me. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let's do the big reveal. Okay. Here we go. Here's the rest of the story. Police arrested the son, Joshua uh, Bryant, for first-degree murder. Uh-huh. It was the son. Oh, really? Yep. But let's walk, let's walk through it. So I gave you the ending. So let's walk through some of what, what happened as the events unfold. So the father didn't do it. Um, but, um, he had taken off. He was caught about midnight. This happened, um, I think around five 30, uh, in the evening. And then, uh, no, they were called to the 500 block park place just South of the university of central Oklahoma, just shortly before 9 PM. So the, you know, I, I didn't, I should have told you that the time the call came in. Um, so it came in at 9 PM. And so this all happens. He takes off in the car and, uh, Police start immediately looking for Bryant. He was arrested by Blackwell police along I-35 just after midnight. When police questioned Bryant, he repeatedly told investigators that while his father was out of the house picking up another family member, he hit his stepmother, 54-year-old Catherine Bryant, in the head with a baseball bat, knocking her unconscious. He then admitted to dragging her to the garage and shooting her in the head with a rifle. Damn. Wow. Okay, keep so going. some, yeah. <laughs> so some motive? some other. Here we go. Some uh, other details uh, came out. Let me pull this up here. Um, uh, he told he, the teen told police that he left the home in his stepmother's vehicle. Uh, he's being held on a complaint of first degree murder. Is expected to be charged as an adult. Uh, she was a public school teacher, so you know they talked about. Uh, well, actually, no, they talked about him. They put out a statement on him. His name was Joshua Bryant. Been arrested in connection with the homicide. Uh, he was enrolled at, here's the, here's the interesting thing. This is where you start getting clues. If you start reading this. So I'm going to read this to you and tell me the clue you pull out of it. Bryant has been enrolled at Boulevard Academy since August, 2016. Boulevard is Edmond public schools, alternative high school, which focuses on academic credit recovery. I think we call that Douglas school there in Loudoun County, didn't we? Yeah. It's where you send your problem children. So we're starting to get an idea, and it starts starts to paint a picture. So it sounds like he was a problem kid, and then we start knowing now that she is the stepmother. So you start thinking, okay, there's there's always that. There was with you know with our family too, with my wife's first son, you know, uh, Jason. There was some tension there. You know, we had to work through it. <laughs> he moved out when he was eighteen. You know, he said, "I've had enough of this." You know, uh, but then he but then he moved back, and it's kind of like, okay, I, you know, my parents weren't as were smarter than what I gave them credit for. But yeah. yeah, so you start thinking, okay, there's a troubled history here. So then the question starts becoming, you know, really what happened? What happened that night um, when they called in? So. Um, when they arrived on the scene, right? They, so after being taken into custody. Um, here's what happened. Here's according to the probable cause affidavit, because when you arrest somebody, um, you hold them in jail. The first thing you do is you follow your probable cause affidavit, which allows you to hold them while you get, you know, basically uh, the, you get the warrant signed uh, by the attorney, county attorney, get a judge to sign it. So now you can officially charge them, but you can hold them on the probable cause warrant. A judge will look at the warrant and say, yep, there's enough probable cause to hold you. We're going to have the, you know, the the next, the, we're going to have the arraignment. So here's what it says. Uh, According to the probable cause affidavit, Bryant admitted to hitting his stepmother in the head with a baseball bat, which caused her to lose consciousness. Court documents state that Bryant sat on the kitchen floor for about five minutes to contemplate, quote, his next actions. At that point, the affidavit states that Bryant dragged Catherine into the garage before going into the living room for another five minutes to try and make a decision on what to do. 
Uh, authorities say Bryant grabbed a 22 caliber rifle from the closet and shot Catherine Bryant in the back of the head. Here's the creepy thing. She's dead. I mean, obviously you got two, you got a gunshot, you know, you've been hit in the head, you got a gunshot to the head. She's, she's most likely dead. Uh, the defendant then fled the scene after conversations with his father, Bradley Bryant, and stated that he was just trying to clear his head. The affidavit does not provide a motive for murder. So here's my question. And it goes back to, you caught on it, but I think, um, I, I was misleading you maybe a little bit or adding emphasis, but it goes back to, um, do you have, um, okay, now, do you think he might be on his way back to you guys, the dispatcher, the father? No, he left because of what he had did. I'm wondering by this point, Steve, and I don't know, because I haven't, I, you know, they don't really say it in the documents. I wonder if the father knew already, you know, I mean, I mean, he knew that his son I think he knew for sure that his son killed him. And that's his minimization of his son. That's his son because it's his same name. It's the stepmother. So he's using that minimization language because he's come to the conclusion that, hey, my son just killed my wife. Yeah, but initially he said he he dimed his kid right out. Yeah. Initially. And then, he, he, you're, you know, his language did soften later in the in the 911 call. I, I'm shocked at his, uh, the, at the father's, you know, the husband's reaction because I, you know, oh my gosh. I mean, it explains a lot. If he saw, he's thinking she's been hit in the head, but it, it sounds like he may have seen 22 is an entry wound is not going to cause brain matter to come out. And, no. Uh, the 22 may not have penetrated all the way through where there's an exit wound. I don't know. There's, uh, you could, you know, what if it all day, but I'm, I thought it was going to be the father instead of the son. I thought he was just diming his kid out. And then I got to thinking, well, I can't, I wouldn't dime my kid out, I don't think. I mean, I'd hold them accountable, but right. I'd drag their ass into the police station, you know, or whatever. You're not going to let your kid get away with murder. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so here's some more details. So they go to court, um, and what happens was he pled guilty, um, and he's sentenced to 40 years in prison for the murders of his step for the murder of his stepmother. So this actually took about two years. So two years after his stepmother was beaten and shot to death, an Edmund man pleaded guilty to committing the murder when he was 17. Joshua Bryant, now 19, entered the plea Wednesday in an Oklahoma County District Court. He agreed to a sentence of 40 years. So obviously they plea bargained it away. Mm-hmm. I don't say plea bargained it away because he's going to do 40 years. Now the question is, how many of those 40 years does he actually do? I don't know what the uh, parole uh, situation is in Oklahoma, if you got to do all your time or if you get good credit or uh, credit for t- uh, good behavior. But right. Bryant told Edmund police he hit Catherine Dina Bryant in the head with an aluminum bat in their home April 4th, 2017. He then dragged her to the garage, shot her in the head. Now, here's what the defense attorney says, but this is this is interesting, the, the facts of the case. Defense attorney Scott Adams said Bryant was suffering from mental illness at the time of the incident. Uh, I don't think so. But no specific for the reason for the attack has been discovered. Bryant told investigators he and his stepmother had a good relationship and they didn't argue before he killed her. Um, Well, damn, I'm wondering what he'd done to her if they did have a bad relationship. If they have a good relationship, that's what he did to her. Good Lord. Mm -hmm. Testimony in the case reported Bryant had experienced depression and attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. You know, I think there's a danger in putting too many labels on kids because that kind of gives an excuse. Okay, you might have ADHD, but the question is, and it's the old thing they called the McNaughton rule to to determine whether or not you were sane or insane at the time of a crime. Could you appreciate the difference between right or wrong when the crime was committed? And if if you knew what you were doing was wrong whether through testimony or through evidence of actions, then, hey, you're you're fine. In fact, one of the ways I used to make sure that they wouldn't use an insanity defense, like it, that's, let me tell you, an insanity defense is hard to do. Mm-hmm. It's hard to get through. I mean, you really got to be insane. But I would simply say, well, after you, sh- you know, like say, for example, like this, after you shot her, why'd you run? Well, because I was afraid the cops were going to arrest me. If you weren't concerned about right or wrong, then you wouldn't care if the cops would arrest you. So that was a quick way, easy way to find out, hey, do you know the difference between right or wrong? Well, apparently you do. You know why? Because you're fleeing because you know what you did was wrong and the cops are going to arrest you. And on top of that, he took a a five-minute interlude twice to determine what his next actions are going to be. Well, and that's where you get into the... That's where you get into premeditation now. Now, he hit her once. Had he hit her just in a fit of rage, that could have been like uh, involuntary manslaughter. It could have been second-degree murder, whatever you know, Oklahoma might have. But when you sit and you contemplate, even—and the law says, too, you know, with malice aforethought, you know, uh, in a lot of places, if there is 
no matter how brief it is, even if it's for two seconds and you contemplate, you know, I don't like Murph. I'm going to whack him. Um, He hit me in the face. I thought about it. I don't like you. Now, if you hit me and I turn around, I hit you right away. And we're in. This is where you see the bar fights. I hit you. You hit me. Somebody goes down. You know, that's heat of the moment. You know, heat of passion is what they say. Um, Of course, no heat of passion between us. It would just have to be heat of the moment. So. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. No, don't let the good looks fool you, pal. All right. so, so in this case now, no matter how small that planning window is, but this one is, I mean, this is an, this is an eternity. He's got five minutes to think about it. Mm-hmm. He thinks about it for five minutes. He goes back, he gets the gun. So he takes that deliberative step, deliberate step. He takes the gun, he shoots her and he drags her, you know, basically he dragged her into the garage and then he shot her and then he covered her up with a blanket. So, but see now the covering up with the blanket too, that the other thing that tells me is he is not covering up to prevent people from finding her. They know they're going to find her. I think he covered her up because he did. I think he cared about her. I don't think it was uh, an ongoing, huge, bad relationship where they're at each other's throats all the time. I think it was true. I don't think they did argue based on what they said, but I think it it hurt him personally. You know, he's a killer, but it hurt him personally. So he covered up the face because he didn't want to see her face because that was too emotional for him. That's what I think. Yeah. That makes perfect sense. I, I don't understand why he killed her, though. I mean, if they hadn't argued, you know, they had a good relationship. Uh, I have no idea. I have no, you know, I mean, you could almost say that there briefly he did have an insane moment. But the fact that he stopped twice to contemplate his next moves, once after he yeah. hit her, he waited for five minutes, then he drags her to the garage and then waits another five minutes and then he takes the gun and kills her. Or... You know, she may have already been dead, but he made sure. Right. So that doesn't sound like a person that's insane. <clears throat> well, that was a good one or a tough one. That was a tough not one. A, See, I didn't, I didn't want to make it so easy on you as to where you go, okay, this one's, and it's not going to be a pattern like, okay, guilty, not guilty, guilty, not guilty. I'm going to throw, yeah. I got some, I did some research. I got some ones to throw at you here. All right. Throw them on out here. Well, I already did it. Oh, that's it? <laughs> We're only going to do one call. <laughs> okay. I, I have to say, though, I was surprised that the son did it. I, I couldn't figure out why the daddy wanted to, to dime out his kid, but I thought that it was going to be the father, the husband. But I tell you, when I I had problems the first time, too, because I could not come to a definitive conclusion is that, um, yeah, he did it or he didn't do it because of the language. Like, I just got home. Well, we've heard that before. Um, mm-hmm. He didn't attempt to resuscitate her. You know, well, no, she's dead. He's accepted the finality to where, um, uh, you know, the, the the seven stages of denial. It's like the first thing is, you know, uh, you know, anger and disbelief. No, she's not dead. Can't be dead. You know, when you right. get bad news, no, can't, you know, can't be. You don't want to accept death, but He's immediately accepted death. And like you said, then the other thing that struck me was just how calm he was during this whole time. So did did you read anywhere where the gun was found after the cops got there? uh, No, I didn't. Because obviously he didn't see the gun. The father didn't see the gun in the garage because he was reporting that he thought she'd been bashed in the head. So the kid must have had the presence of mind to put the gun back where he found it. That or it was, uh, they didn't say anything. It doesn't say anything about being recovered in the vehicle. Um, yeah. But, yeah, because the other thing, too, is there on some of these, um, it's hard to find cases to where you've got the full 911 call and the full case details, too. So some of these are a little, right. and Edmond, Oklahoma is, is not a big town. Uh, here's how we can do this. By the way, let's try this. Hey, Siri, what is the population of Edmond, Oklahoma? As of 2020, the population of Edmond was 94,428. That's a big town. Yeah. It's a big town. town I grew up in. Yeah. Bigger. <laughs> it's almost bigger in the state of Kansas when I was growing up, too. <laughs> yeah, but that was Oklahoma. But, you know, but um, but the other, like I said, so a lot of times it's tough to get all the information out. But, but the key thing, though, is that, see, if you're going down there as the police officer, and you're and you're coming back as the uh, or you're going down as a police officer. You don't hear the nine one one call. The dispatcher right. hears the nine one one call. De- detectives, even sometimes detectives, will not pull the nine one one call before they go there. So they're going down there and they're operating from the same thing, uh, same frame of reference that the, the responding police officer has. That's why. That's why one of the things uh, this book that I wrote or wrote 
road red. I'm trying to, uh, man, it's been, it has been a long few days. Um, <laughs> I haven't talked this much since, you know, I don't know when. Since last uh, week. We know you like uh, to talk. That's all right. Everybody knows it. Oh, I know. But <laughs> my throat. <laughs> I've got, I've had a bottle of water here. I've gone through, you know, my uh, water bottle. But um, uh, I, I read a book called, basically it was analyzing 911 calls. And, and this chief in Ohio and this uh, FBI PhD um, analyst and the behavioral science unit, they actually went through and they analyzed 911 calls to start looking for this stuff. And one of the key suggestions is, is that one of the things you do, at, see, as a detective, there's not a rush to get to the scene. If somebody's dead, they're dead. They're right. not going anywhere. I, I don't want to speak cavalierly, but it's just a fact. They're not going anywhere. You secure the crime scene. Now they're suggesting before you even interview people and do stuff, you got to go back and listen to that 911 call. And there's a whole sheet for how you score the call to determine, is it truthful or deceptive? Or mm-hmm. like you say, is it undetermined, you know? And so um, there, there's some very interesting things. So let's do this before we close out. Now that everybody is armed with the information, let's play this call one more time and see what you guys, see if you hear anything new because of it, see if your mind is still the same or see if we changed your mind. Here we go. All right. Nine one one. where is your oh, So last one thing I picked up, and it, I keyed in on the language again. I, I went back. Even you have to refresh this. He does use very direct language at the beginning. My son has killed my wife. So he was pretty mm-hmm. direct there. But I got to tell you, though, the first time I went through this, I was undecided. I mean, it would have been one of those things is 
we're going to have to separate the father from the daughter, you know, get their stories. Now, obviously, she's young. You're going to have to interview them separately. Uh, you got to be very careful interviewing the young girl because she's, I don't know if she saw anything, but, you know, obviously traumatized. Um, and it is her stepmother. Uh, now, here's the question. I don't know if it's her mother. No, it right. sounds like it's her stepmother, too, because he says, hey, call your mom. So, Anna, call your mom. So, uh, must be he must be recently remarried and Joshua and Anna. But then again, that's weird. Uh, it's like Joshua is living at the house, so is Anna living with somebody else? And if Joshua was living with him, that kind of goes into, was he living with dad because uh, Josh was a, a challenge to raise, and that's why he's going to that alternative school. So... So so many things going there, but I, I got to tell you, the first time I went through this, I was undecided when I got to the end. It's like I listened to this call a couple of times. It's like, you know, I was leaning maybe that he didn't do it because you keyed on it too. You hear the emotion of the girl in the background, but he kind of went up and he went down and I'm going, I, I'd be one of those people like, get the fucking police here. Get these people mm -hmm. here now. You got to find them. I need an ambulance here now. So I was I was not able to really make a determination based upon the call. So you have to go do split them up, interview them, find out right. what went on, and obviously catching the kid. And if they caught him with the goods, like the weapon and stuff like that, and obviously they got a confession, so that clears the father. But the other thing you have to do is make sure is that did the father know about this? Did he participate in any way? Because his nine one one call is not clear and convincing that he was not involved in this case. Right. And didn't you say the call came in at nine p.m.? Nine p.m. So they were. He was going. To, I'm assuming he was going to take his son to pitching practice afterwards. That's that's a little bit late to be going to practice anywhere, isn't it? I don't know if you're bored in Oklahoma. I guess not, man. There's not much to do down in Edmond. But uh. <laughs> well, I know, like in Northern Virginia, where you know a lot of people played ice hockey, it wasn't unusual to have an 11 p.m. game because there was so much demand for the ice rink. So maybe that all the was time, yeah. Who knows? And it could be too, you know. And it, yeah, that's the question. But see, in the in the call too, it's it doesn't really give you a lot of information too because it's out of context. It says, um, "I went to get my daughter from the gym. I'm gone 30 minutes. I came back home. We were supposed to go to a pitching lesson. Who? You and your daughter, or you and Josh? You know. It, so right. you don't really know. So you have to clear that up. But anyway, overall, I thought that this was a this was one of those calls that falls in between. This was not. I gave you an easy one the first time. It's kind of like oh, okay, yeah. this is a. <laughs> That's a no-brainer. Clear cut. Yeah. This one you had to work for. Murph, I'm pretty proud of you. We worked through it. We solved the case once again. I set the wrong person to prison. Sorry. I uh, know you didn't. The oh, jury shucks. did. You, you don't set the wrong. <laughs> the jury sends people to prison. We don't. That's true. That's true. All right, man. Well, I thought I thought this was a good one. So, uh, hey, guys, if you like it, let us know. Give us some feedback. Uh, you know, on this one, this is part two of 911. What's your emergency? And like I say, we're going to do this once a month. I do have some wicked calls lined up. I, I am going to throw everybody for a loop on some of these. Oh, yeah. And, and give us your feedback because we want, you know, one, we want to know, are you enjoying this? Are, do you think it's hokey? You know, if, if you don't like it, we're not going to do it. But if you like it, we want to keep doing it. I'm enjoying this, to be honest with you. But the other thing is it, it tests your sleuth abilities. You know, do you most I think most of the people that listen to us are not in law enforcement. So this, you know, this tests your abilities. Can you tell who's guilty and who's not? And what are the behavioral clues and what are people saying? So, hey, I thought this was fun, though. So, all right. So, you guys, again, we appreciate you guys, you players, you playerettes out there, everybody who's playing this game. And this is this was, this was really when you get, we get into the game of crimes. Did he or didn't he do this? Right. You know, and, and does he give anything away during the call that tells us, yep, does he give us some clues? You know, and this one was a little tough, you know, so. Um, and, a, and a clue to our listeners, listen to the background and these calls, because you can you can occasionally pick up some decent information there. That's why I was trying to do the all going through all this. Yeah, and and we, the other thing too, we have headphones on. You know, yeah. we, we can isolate sound. A lot of times, the dispatchers listening to this over headset, they got one ear, and there's uh, there's ambient noise. You know, and other people talking. So it's a pretty. It, it, I'm telling you, I was. By the way, final thought. I was impressed with that dispatcher. She maintained even keel. Mm -hmm. um, she did a really professional job. She didn't, even when he said, I couldn't understand you, even the third time she says, no, we just have a lot of help going to you as supposed to. Son, are you listening to me? We got lots yeah. of help, but you got something in your ears. <laughs> are you freaking deaf? You know, and, and that's an important point uh, because just imagine what his reaction could have been. You're, you're dealing with a, a death here that is going to be a murder. Just imagine if her reaction had been, oh my God, your head's bashed in. You know, that just incites him even more where you're not going to get coherent reactions coming out of the, the person that's calling in. So I agree with this. She did a good job. 
did a great job. So kudos to her. All right, guys. Thank you once again. This is the end of part two. 911, what's your emergency? Players and playerettes. And thank you guys so much for being a part of Patreon. Share this with your friends. Share one. Tell one. Give them the gift of Murph and Morgan, right? You never know what surprises we've got coming down the road. None of them involve frontal nudity. I promise you that. <laughs> Not like there was on Silence of the Lamps, and we did the review on that. So, Oh, oh that's still gross. <laughs> anyway, yeah. Anyway, all right, guys. Thank you once again for playing the biggest, baddest, most dangerous game of all, The Game of Crimes.